<laughs> I was like, okay, how do I start? Screen share, what am I doing? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sometimes. Recording, that's how you start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Exactly. All right. So um, just a, a couple things from uh, Avraham's commentary here that uh, were, were interesting. Um, since this is the, the last part of the bifid structure, um, we are, are in the disinheritance and inheritance uh, part here in uh, part seven. So it says that uh, the first unit of part seven, which we're studying this week, characterizes both the wicked and the righteous in superlative tones as each category reaches its apex when confronted with the other. So as soon as the wicked and righteous actually have uh, the, the confrontation there, that's when the, each court category is, is at their apex. Um, the, the righteous exercise faithfulness and wisdom under duress and are sustained through trials by their knowledge. So um, as we you know, see that playing out all throughout Isaiah, um, the, the wicked and the righteous are always in this um, <laughs> kind of battle, I guess you say, but um, that they're always proving and, and uh, their loyalties on, on either side. But in the end, they, they have the, the major confrontation that uh, propels Zion upward and debases the, the, the wicked. Um, so I think that that's interesting as we start reading chapters 32 and 33 to kind of keep that in mind that it's, uh, this, yes, we're, we're studying the, uh, inheritance and disinheritance, but it's because of that, that confrontation between the, the righteous and wicked there. Um, so let's look at the actual, uh, chapter 32 and 33 here. Um, see so i think there's like 10 verses so uh nancy do you want to read the the first 10 and then uh we'll have leslie read uh the the final 10 in, in 32 there sure a king shall reign in righteousness and rulers rule with justice and a man shall become as a shelter from the wind or refuge from the storm like brooks of water in a desert place or the shade of a large rock in arid country the eyes of those who see shall not be shut, and the ears of those who hear shall listen. The minds of the rash shall learn understanding, and the tongues of the stammerers master eloquence. The godless shall no longer be regarded as noble, nor rogues considered respectable. <clears throat> For the godless utter blasphemy, their heart ponders impiety how to practice hypocrisy and preach perverse things concerning Jehovah, leaving the hungry soul empty, depriving the thirsty soul of drink. And rogues scheme by malevolent means and insidious devices to ruin the poor, and with false slogans and accusations to denounce the needy. But the noble are of noble intent and stand up for what is virtuous. Up and listen to my voice, O complacent women. You careless daughters, hear my words. In little more than a year, you shall be in anguish, O carefree ones, for when the harvest is over, the produce shall fail to arrive. All right, and then uh, Leslie. For... Sorry, you're muted there. <laughs> I always forget that, sorry. There you go. <clears throat> 
and then I have a bit of a cough tonight, not sick, just food related. So. Okay. Uh, be alarmed, you complacent women. Be perturbed, O oh careless daughters. Strip yourselves bare. Put sackcloth around your waist. Beat your breasts for uh, the choice fields and flourishing vines. For my people's land shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. Mourn for all the amusement houses in the city of entertainment. For the palaces <clears throat> shall I abandon, the clamorous towns deserted. High rise and panoramic resorts shall become haunts forever after. The playground of wild animals, uh, browsing for place, a browsing place for flocks. For by a hail shall forests be felled, cities utterly leveled. Then shall the spirit from on high be poured out on us. The desert shall become productive land and lands now productive be reckoned as brushwood. So shall justice inhabit the desert and righteousness abide in the farmland. And the effect of justice shall be peace and the right results of righteousness and assured calm forever. My people shall dwell in peaceful settlements in safe neighborhoods and comfortable dwellings. Blessed are you, you, who shall then sow by all waters, letting oxen and asses range free. Thank you. Yes. So there's a lot there. <laughs> but um, mm. as we, we see some of the, the implications that Isaiah is talking about here, we can uh, definitely see this playing out in our day, right? There's that, uh, that juxtaposition of the wicked and, and righteous here. Um, but, but let's kind of break it down uh, from these first few verses here. So that a king shall reign in righteousness. Here we're talking about that Davidic servant, right? The end time servant that comes right before Christ. And uh, he will reign in righteousness, but not alone. There's going to be rulers who rule with him in justice. Um, the, the kings and queens, the 144,000 uh, that, that will rise up and... Um, help uh, the Davidic servant uh, complete that mission there. Um, because there are going to be winds and storms, uh, but it says, and a man, uh, talking uh, about the, this group of, of people here, shall become as a shelter from the wind and refuge from the storm. So where we have the, the kings and queens that are actually uh, taking part in the Davidic covenants, providing physical protection for their peoples, the, the people that uh, they are helping in charge of, much like King Hezekiah. Remember his story where um, he's interceding on behalf of his people, uh, enacting that Davidic covenant for them. Uh, it doesn't stop the, the winds and the storms from, from coming in the last days, right before the second coming. But because <clears throat> there is that king and the, the kings and queens um, uh, rising up, they are providing protection, uh, that shelter and, and everything for them. I found that very interesting. That was one of the, the main standouts to me as I was uh, looking at it. Um, and then uh, to address Elle's question in, in the comments here. So what I was reading earlier was from the book, uh, The Literary Message of Isaiah. Um, it goes through the, the literary patterns, the chiasmus and, and all of the, the bifid structure there. 
Um, but there's also what my mom was referencing. The on Isaiah explained here, you can go to the apocalyptic commentary, and it's kind of a verse by verse commentary uh, from Avraham. But what I was reading was from his literary message book. Um, <clears throat> let's see. So I, I noticed there's a, a couple new people here for uh, what we're, we're reading is on isaiahexplained.com. This is Avraham Gileadi's uh, translation of Isaiah. So there's four different tabs here across the top. There's the Isaiah Institute translation, which is his. And then there's a tab with the comparative translation, which compares King James versus his and the Masoretic text here on the right. And then there's the tab for apocalyptic commentary, uh, kind of verse by verse, like I said. And then the interactive concordance, which has it's kind of like the, the advanced footnotes version where you can click on any word and see that word throughout all of Isaiah. So it's a very great resource to uh, be able to study Isaiah lots of different ways. Um, and that's what I, I'm using here as we're, we're reading. Um, not that we, we have to do the Isaiah Institute translation, but that's the, the book that we're studying right now is uh, we, we studied Isaiah decoded and now we are um, taking the actual words of Isaiah, uh, kind of through Avraham's lens as we're doing this book club. Um, so that's just kind of a brief explanation why we're reading this right now. Um, <clears throat> so anything else that, that stood out to you guys as we're, oh, this is Isaiah 1. <laughs> I need to get back to Isaiah 32. But anything else that, that stood out to you as we were uh, reading that, that section, anything that applies today, or uh, anything that just stood out in general? Well, I like the idea of the fact that it says, the eyes of those who shall see shall not be shut, and the ears of those who shall hear shall listen. So there's a lot in that one particular scripture that, that gives clarification and it gives, um, I don't know, uh, it gives a, a positive feeling of, for those who, who will see, then the Lord will make sure that you can see it um, mm -hmm. or hear it. And I've noticed there's a lot of things that I've been able to understand that uh, uh, that many people haven't. And what's interesting is I just got finished watching <clears throat> the face-to-face um, -face with Elder uh, Bednar and his wife with the young adults. And he kept he kept asking the young adults, you know, have I answered your question? <clears throat> and then they'll say yes. You know, they're not going to say no. You haven't answered. <laughs> then he'll say, "Well, what have you really heard? What have you felt?" Uh, and many times he's he's brought to pass that slogan, whether in word or but it, more in deed, of what have you heard that wasn't said, and what have you seen that wasn't shown? Mm, and yeah. there, there it's, it's been a it's been a big blessing in my life. Yeah, for sure. I think it's interesting to think, you know, even in that next verse, the minds of the rash to learn understanding, right? Mm -hmm. How many, we, I'm sure we all know some of those people who rush to an emotional knee-jerk reaction of whatever, um, and they will really understand 
they'll start to understand the Lord, the ways of the Lord, right? And they'll, um, these are all, the first four verses are all of the righteous, right? Um, and then you get into verse five, the godless shall no longer be regarded as noble. And that is truly who we, if you look in the world today, the godless are regarded as noble. Everybody holds oh. them up, right? And rogues considered respectable. Absolutely. Just look at Hollywood, right? <laughs> so I, as I was reading this, I was like, wow, this is really, this is today. The only thing we're missing is verse one. Right? <laughs> yep, exactly. <clears throat> That's have, how close we are to it. We are so incredibly close. And I think, and that was the other thing, a little farther down um, in verse 10, uh, in little more than a year, you shall be in anguish, O carefree ones. For when the harvest is over, the pro produce shall fail to arrive. I feel like we are so very, very, we're, we're there. We're in that part. Um, That's what I asked group A. I was like, okay, yes, Isaiah can be applied historically, right? But it applies to the end time. When does that verse 10 fulfill? You know, in little more than a year, when would you say that year starts? When the harvest is over and the produce shall fail to arrive. Like, <laughs> that, it's becoming more real day by day. As someone who deals with produce every week, mm -hmm. I can tell you we're very, very close. Um, that there are a lot of things that we should usually be able to get right now that we can't. There are a lot of things that in the quantities and in the, you know, for the prices, you know, for summer and end of harvest, you know, harvest time, it should be abundant. Um, not as much. Yeah. So, you know, I, it's still it's still arriving, but it's arriving at a much higher price, right? Mm -hmm. And and people, I don't pe think people are seeing that because they can still walk into the grocery store. But in little more than a year, you know, and and who knows when that year tick, you know, clock started ticking. Just yeah. saying. <laughs> you know? I do have to say too that it it looks like a distribution um, issue that he's mm -hmm. prophesying about because if we have the harvest happen, but the produce doesn't arrive, then it's a distribution issue, which we already had once and we could easily have again, just with social unrest or yeah. who knows what, just, you know, all bets are off right now, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it, it, yeah. it is definitely happening. It is, we definitely do have uh, distribution issues in the supply chain right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, you know, there's, there's lots of hubbub everywhere and stuff, but where some of our, our cargo ships are not being allowed to unload and, and mm -hmm. things going on strike. I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Um, but, but that's an important point. Like you said there that the harvest is over, meaning that there was a harvest, but yet mm -hmm. the, the produce, uh, fails to arrive that, that, that distribution stuff, uh, uh, and what chapter was it in that we studied where the ships of Tarshish, like, uh, get kaput overnight like it's in one day that all trade ceases uh when the antichrist comes on the scene um, well and then you also have you also have the verses that we're talking about how you know how little a large you know i, I don't even remember the the numbers the size you know that large amounts of fields only yield a little basket 
right? Oh, uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember where that was. Um, it was earlier in the in the in Isaiah. So, um, but I think that's also part of that. You're going to have the harvest, but it's not going to be very big, and you know, comparatively, and you're not going to get what it is because of your supply chain, right? And and I I think I see a lot of people around me who just think, well, it's just going to continue to be there in the grocery store, mm -hmm. and, and they they think that last year was just a little blip. It was just oh, but things are back. Mm -hmm. Things are back in the stores. The shelves are full again. You know that kind of thing. Yeah. One of the things that I think we should take also into consideration is the fact that the harvest has done but it is stagnant. It's not going anywhere and it's going to rot and, and deteriorate where it's at. And it won't be given to those people who want it. Now, for those people who are listening and who have been blessed of the Lord, they will be able to, they will have their needs met. They will have sufficient for their needs. But for everybody else, it won't make it to the end of the road. It won't make it to their part and it'll just go to waste. And I think that that's a lot of what the Lord is telling us. He has so much to give us and blessings that it's just not, it's going to waste where he's at because there are many who are not willing to accept it or to do the work in order to have it come to their, their place of their uh, place. Yeah. They don't have a holy place for it to come. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um. And then, you know, some of the, the ominous tones here in uh, later on, for the palaces shall lie abandoned, clamorous towns deserted, high rises, etc. Like, um, cities utterly leveled. But then it kind of ends on, uh, on a, a blessed note here, uh, transitioning into uh, millennial and, and preparations for the millennium, that um, there, there can be peace. Uh, there's peaceful sediments. Uh, and safe neighborhoods, comfortable dwellings, and stuff. But um, these are, uh, what does it say? Uh, justice inhabit the desert, and righteousness abide in the farmland. It's kind of a major uh, turning point, right? Where the the major, huge, populated cities are are abased, and uh, the the small <laughs> farmlands and, and places that that normally uh, aren't as uh, haughty or whatever are, are lifted up so that they can actually become places of, of righteousness there. Um, so again, to that um, inheritance versus disinheritance theme that Isaiah is, is getting at here, that, that there's a major shift, a major change once they're, they're confronted. Um, I did have something to say, but I had a hard time unmuting a second ago. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yep. But I'm wondering about, um, a second layer to the harvest being over okay. because um, there's just so much theme of the harvesting of souls through the scriptures that I'm wondering if it's also talking about that, like the, the end of the Gentiles and the, mm -hmm. um, the missionaries coming home and that harvest being over yeah. um, kind of a signaling point as well. So anyway, yeah, because there's just like so many layers sometimes in different scriptures to look at it different directions you know so i'm wondering if that's part of it as well yeah because like how many times is the the lord of the vineyard and, and the harvest of, of souls there and everything yeah so i think that's an important part 
um, in little more than a year, like taking a look at it in that context, in little more than a year, you shall be in anguish, O carefree ones, when your harvest is over and the produce shall fail to arrive. Be alarmed, be perturbed, uh, put sackcloth uh, and everything. That, that, that puts a whole new spin on it uh, to, to look at when the, the time of the Gentiles is over and, and it kind of turns from the fishers of men to the hunters of men um, and kind of shifts gears there. Yeah, you know, the carefree ones are the ones who are living in the city. They don't, they don't work to get their food. They don't work to get their meat. They're, they all go there for convenience, for uh, the, the fact that they can do whatever it is they want uh, and then just go to the grocery and uh, bring their own sustenance. So they'll be, uh, they'll be having a big problem once they realize that the food is not getting to the big cities. So that's where we end up finding out that uh, they're not being supplied. Now, those ones who are out on the farm, the ones that are doing all the work to raise it, they will be able to at least eat. Um, and, and in a particular case, there's a lot of uh, cities are a great place to find irreverence, to find unholiness, because uh, it starts, it gets the mob mentality. And let's face it, those people who have a whole lot of extra time on their hands uh, find mischief, and and I've heard different teachers speak of how the cities are the target of a lot of evil because of the fact that they are they're like storehouses, uh, and where you get a whole bunch of people together who have that carefree life. So, uh, and and that's one of those things that it was spoken of there, especially for the 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 palaces shall lie abandoned and the clamor. You know, um, the high rises and panoramic resorts shall be haunts because all of the people will be gone. The buildings will still be there, but all the people will be gone. And, um, and everything will just be uh, uh, a hunting ground for wild animals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Elle brings up a good point uh, in the chat that we're also entering a Shemitah year, the time from sunset September 6, 2021 through sunset September 25th, 2020 is that, that Shemitah year there. And I think that kind of applies on both levels of, of what it's meaning there about um, the two different kinds of harvest, both a physical harvest and the, the harvest of, of souls of missionary work and stuff. I think that could, could play in a lot there. I don't know what that is. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, let's see, Shemitah. So, um, so every seven years in, in Jewish culture is when you kind of take a, a year off and, and let the ground rest, etc. And um, isn't the Shemitah the seventh year, or is that, because there's one that's every 49 years, is that the Jubilee year? The Jubilee know. year is the once, once every 50 years, or four, you know, okay. after 49 on the 50th year, I think is Jubilee is yeah. the jubilee but the but the shemitah year is the the one that's every seven years and so there's there's lots of uh different uh <clears throat> mishnah interpretations of the shemitah year like what you can and cannot do etc but but basically all debts are forgiven you let the ground rest and um it's kind of like the tithing year um where everything's consecrated back to the lord a, a new focus and uh getting that all kind of taken care of and then going back into it for another six years and then taking a seventh year off 
kind of thing. But anyway, we're we're entering that Shemitah year, um, September 6th. Well, I mean, so we've entered into it, but um, it's on that, that Jewish calendar timeline there. Mm. Get a beard, let's go. Let's see. All right, so there's one more chapter in with this section, Isaiah 33. Um, let's see here. We have got 24 verses here. So, um, mother, could you read, uh, one through 12 and then I'll finish up with the rest. Well, am I unmuted? Yep. Yeah. Woe to you, despoiler, who yourself was not despoiled. O treacherous one with whom none have been treacherous. When you have done with devastating you shall be devastated when you are through betraying they shall betray you O jehovah be favorable towards us we have waited for you be our strength of arm from morning to morning our salvation in troubled times the peoples fled from your thunderous voice at your uprising the nations scattered their spoil was harvested in the manner <coughs> of caterpillars, like insatiable locusts, they rushed upon it. <coughs> but Jehovah is supreme, for he dwells on high. With justice and righteousness, he will replenish Zion. Your faithfulness is in time of trial shall prove to be a strength your wisdom and knowledge, your salvation, your fear of Jehovah shall be your riches. See their stalwart sob in public, the champions of peace weep bitterly. The highways are desolate, travel it at an end. The treaties have been violated, their signatories held in contempt. Man is disregarded. The land lies withered and forlorn. Lebanon wilts shamefully. Sharon, Sharon has been turned into a dry waste. Basham and Carmel are deluded or denuded or whatever that is. <laughs> now I, let's see where, now will I rise, says Jehovah. I will now become prominent, now gain preeminence. You you who conceived chafe and brought forth double the fire of your own breath devours you. Whole nations have been burned like lime, mown down like thorns, and set ablaze. Take heed what I have done, you who are far off, you who are near, be apprised of my might. The sinners of Zion are struck with fear, the godless are in the grasp of trembling. Who among us can live through the devouring fire? Who among us can abide eternal burning? They who conduct themselves righteously and are honest in word, who disdain extortion and stay their hand from taking bribes, who stop their ears at the mention of murder, who shut their eyes at the sight of wickedness. They shall dwell on high. The impregnable cliffs are their fortress. Bread is provided them. Their water is sure. Your eyes shall behold the king in his glory and view the expanse of the earth. You shall recall recount in your mind the terror 
Where are those who conducted the census? Where are those who levied the tax? Where are the ones who appraised the towers? The insolent people are not to be seen, a nation of incomprehensible speech whose babbling tongue was unintelligible. Behold Zion, the city of your solemn assemblies, of our solemn assemblies, let your eyes rest upon Jerusalem, the abode of peace and an immovable tent, whose stakes shall never be uprooted nor any of its cords severed. None who reside there shall say, I am ill, the people who inhabit it shall be forgiven of their iniquity. May Jehovah cause us to dwell there, a county of rivers and broad streams, a country of rivers and broad streams, where no warships sail or majestic fleets pass by. Their riggings hang loose. They hold not the mast in place, nor spread out the sail. Nor shall spoil in abundance be divided, and even the lame take part in the plunder. For Jehovah is our judge, and Jehovah our lawgiver. Jehovah is our king. He himself will save us. So uh, it, it kind of picks up where it left off there. So it, we can see that this whole section here is, is chiastic, uh, starts with the king and, and ends with, with Jehovah, the, the king, that actually does save. So what, what stood out to you in, in this chapter? Uh, again, is it applicable to uh, the time we're living? Uh, do we have things yet to see? Uh, what, what thoughts do you have in, in 33? Um, it was interesting from his commentary. Um, let's see, here in, in 15, it, it caught my eye when we were reading it. Um, so those who conduct themselves righteously, who stop their ears at the mention of murder, who shut their eyes at the sight of wickedness. And, and in his commentary, he mentions, well, they must not be watching TV then, <laughs> because I mean, that's exactly what it is, right? Uh, uh, I, I think that there's some applicable uh, things on, on that level as, amongst others, but um, we do have to, to flee Babylon in order to conduct ourselves righteously and, and disdain all of that, that worldliness that is happening around us as it crashes and burns. Where, where's the part where it talks about Babel? I can't understand what they're saying. Because in, in the class just before this, uh, Kathy mentioned that. <laughs> says, isn't that yeah. just like our, our president today? Just uh -huh. yeah. She mentioned 18 and 19 there. President of the nation. Nation, not the president of the church. <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, so um, like we're talking about census and tax who appraised the towers um, a nation of incomprehensible speech whose babbling tongue was unintelligible. Like, you can't trust anything. I mean, nothing's what it seems. I mean, it, nothing makes sense anymore. <laughs> evil is good and good evil. I mean, it is a, a crazy time to be alive, isn't it? Like, this is, uh, you can see how we're headed into uh, some of the, the worst here. Yeah, let's see what other things were, were popping out as I'm. But as, as Isaiah always concludes there, that uh, it always ends with Jehovah. Jehovah um, 
is one who causes us to dwell there and then he comes and and saves and dwells with us um because he is our our king uh, the one that that delivers us it was interesting um was it laura yeah laura was looking in the bible dictionary for isaiah and that his name actually means that god is salvation uh, he is the one who saves and and how applicable that is throughout all of isaiah uh, Isaiah's literary structures, it's always pointing towards salvation and what the Lord actually does for us. Uh, the whole ministering ladder, all of the, uh, the Bifid structure, everything that, that Isaiah is doing always has one goal to point us toward that, that salvation there. And I think it's... Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll go with Lisa and then Nancy. Okay. I was going to say, I think it's interesting... I'm trying, I guess I might have lost the verse where it talks about um, Zion's, the city of Zion being a city of solemn assembly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, which one is In that? 20. In 20. Anyway, um, yeah. I, I feel like it's saying that it'll be like a salt, like the whole time. It, it'll be like we're having a solemn assembly the whole time. And oh. what does a solemn assembly mean? Like, it would be interesting to go back and research what that means exactly. But, but it does make sense because if we're there in Zion and in Jerusalem and Christ is there with us, how could it not be a solemn assembly that we're having the whole time we live there, you know? Uh -huh. Yeah. It's because not just one, uh, a one-time meeting. It's an actual state of being. It's what we state are. Of being. Yeah. A state of being a solemn assembly. I think that's pretty interesting in that verse. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I was going to have him go back to that exact same verse. So um, that verse and the verse after. So, you know, we're going to have Zion, right, which is going to be a place of peace. And the, you know, the stakes will never be uprooted, you know, so we're going to have, we're going to have strong Zion communities in our stakes. And I think verse 21, none who reside there shall say I am ill. Right. So they will oh, not yeah. be yeah they will not be full of fear they will not they will not be ill because those who live there will have the power of the priesthood and any illness that comes along they will be able to heal them right so mm -hmm. that that's where we need to be focused on trying to go in our wards in our communities you know it, it, we start with ourselves and our families, right? And then we go to our wards and our communities, right, Cameron? Like the class we had, right? So yeah. we need to build Zion. And as we build that, we will have that. We will have that city of a solemn assembly. We will have peace in that area, no matter what is raging in the world around us. And none who reside there shall say, I am ill. Because... They won't have to, they will be, they will be able to be healed, right? And the people who inhabit it shall be forgiven their iniquity. In other words, these are the people who are constantly repenting, who are striving to leave Babylon behind. And I think this really just tells us all about Zion. This is where we need to be because in verse 19, you've got the nation of incomprehensible speech and the babbling tongue and nothing's intelligent. And then you have these pockets of communities 
in the stakes of Zion where you can find peace and health and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we as a church are a little ways away from that, um, but that's where we need to head. But yeah, as we start, like, like you said, starting out with our own little nucleus and, and branching out is how we accomplish that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like that's kind of uh, exactly where we're, we're going next with our, our book club. We're doing Triumph of Zion by John Pontius, how we actually build that Zion within our hearts and, and get it to expand uh, outward and, and everything. Uh, yeah, I love it. I really love that concept and I'd like to study like what is it about Zion that makes it so people aren't ill and helps to translate people because that's like kind of the next step from there right is translation mm -hmm. and so what what is going on exactly that it would be a good like question for the Lord yeah. and therefore how can we how can we do that and create that in our own homes first if that's part of zion it's interesting i happen to be ill today yeah. <laughs> so it's it, it does perk up my ears yeah so in your anyway. studies in your studies on that i'm going to recommend a book um it it really is not um religious so to speak it's called the hidden messages of water yeah and i have very, it. it have you that's read awesome. it uh -huh. um, so, you know, he, his final thing is, what is it that cures things? What is it that solves the, the problems is love and gratitude, right? So mm -hmm. we know that, you know, God is love and, and everything that he does for us and everything that Christ does for us is motivated by love. And what did President Nelson ask us to do last November to show gratitude? So here we had the pandemic, things were um, getting ready to come into the winter where things could get worse. And what did he tell people to do? To show gratitude, because that gratitude, I think, enables us to heal better. And when we, when we have that love and we have that gratitude and we're showing that love to our fellow men, right, in Zion, then I think that then that holds a whole myriad of illnesses at bay. And um, it also encourages you to have faith. When you have faith, um, you are less susceptible to the illnesses. Fear, um, fear has been proven, proven to make you more susceptible. So, you know, just like the friend I was talking about when I first got on today, uh, I don't know if you were on or not, her mom was very fearful that what she had was COVID. She had a cold and she was very, very fearful. And she has been very fearful about COVID for the last year and a half. And she went and got tested and yes, she's positive. But, um, you know, it, it struck me very much that fear was, um, I think as we have more and more fear in our society, we see that uptick in people getting sick. And I think, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of trying to keep everyone in that state of fear. Um, so yeah. in Zion, you don't have the fear; you have faith instead. And the two cannot exist at the same time, so you have to have one or the other. So we have faith, and we have gratitude, and we have love, and all of those things um, are part of that um, 
they almost act like a force field, I guess, to keep away the illness and the sickness or to help our body fight something off so we don't get ill. And I think that's part of it right there. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, and another interesting thing along that same line of the illness, there, there's one thing, not that I'm taking everything that Avraham Gileadi says as, as gospel, and you know, I'm, I'm not trying to promote that, but um, uh, one thing that, that he mentions in some of his commentaries and stuff is that every illness, sickness, debilitating thing that we ever experience is because of a, a sin or an iniquity, and uh, that's kind of what... Uh, Isaiah is kind of pointing out here, I am ill because the people in who inhabit it shall be forgiven their iniquity. Um, mm-hmm. And so kind of going in that same line where um, the, the inhabitants of Zion will be a, a purified, sanctified people. There's no fear, but there's also no iniquities. And so there, there just will be a, a higher, holier being, uh, or a state of being in, in that aspect um, you know, clearing generational uh, effects and, and all of that uh, in that whole process, I think is interesting. Uh, but kind of being able to pinpoint where our sicknesses and illnesses come from and being able to clear them properly uh, in order to achieve a, a Zion state. Uh, uh, you know, like you mentioned, the, the translated beans, uh, they, they can't get sick anymore. They're not uh, susceptible to that that telestial type of uh, state anymore. They they have higher knowledge, higher wisdom, and and forgiven of their iniquities. It's such an interesting concept and uh, thing to to study. Uh, go to the Lord, and uh, I, you know, I it's probably just going to give you a whole download. <laughs> here's here's the manual. Here's how to do it. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Nancy. <laughs> Along those lines, um, you know, Brigham Young used to say that every ill or um, illness and things like that, that they were caused by evil spirits, right? Yeah. So, it, and and that's a, that's a whole different topic, but let's just accept that as, as it and, and put that yeah. on there, right? If you get to the point where they no longer can influence you, right? Yeah. We know in Zion and in the millennium, Satan will be bound. Why will he be bound? Because the people will no longer listen. They will no longer be influenced by Satan or his minions. Then if they can no longer be influenced by them, they can no longer have any effect on us. And that also um, is, I think that's also part of that whole process of making it so that we are immune to those things as we are are translated. And part of that is no longer being able or no longer being susceptible to the influence of Satan and his minions. And as we do that, then that that rise that raises us up and takes us more out of Babylon, it takes us higher toward our translation. And, you know, they all kind of go together. So ponder on those kinds of things. Yeah. 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 I I really want to agree with everything that's being said here. Um, It's, it's also what the Lord's taught me the importance of, um, of generational um, cleansing out generational iniquity. 
And another thing that's connecting what you say you're talking about with binding Satan is that as we clean out generational iniquity, um, it it cuts the ties to those entities that come in and do attack through different areas, whether it's illness or other kinds of um, temptations or things like that. And so we're severing those ties and that's part of it, part of the reason why um, we can have um, we can have them bound. And it's also part of the reason why we can have a purification as a people because the Lord wants the bloodlines themselves cleaned as well, like to be pure as well. And it's, it's really backed in scripture because through the savior so many times that I know, I know you guys know this, but so many times he said, thy th sins are forgiven thee take up your bed and walk or whatever it was. He, it's, he's always talking about forgiving sins while healing someone. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's quite clear, like it's quite clear in scripture. It's just not um, culturally understood, but yeah. it's quite clear, you know, it's very doctrinal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Can I share something? Um, <clears throat> have any of you read the book return from tomorrow? It's a near-death story. Uh -huh. I think it was a long time ago. Okay. Does, um, anybody remember at the end of the book, there was a, um, <clears throat> he, the author was talking to a man and um, it was about a, a World War II prisoner named Wild Bill. They nicknamed him that because he was Polish and he had a handlebar mustache like, um, like Wild Bill Cody. And he um, was a Jew and they rounded him up in Poland, he and his family. And he was an attorney and he could speak several languages. And so they found him useful and weren't going to execute him, but they executed his wife and his children and in front of him and then took him to prison and, and used him as a translator and whatnot. And so when the war was over, they, um, were liberating the uh, prisoner and they were um, he was there helping uh, with the paperwork and um, <clears throat> the people that were there thought that he was a, um, a new prisoner because he hadn't lost weight and wasn't gone and uh, like the walking dead like most of the rest of them and um, he also wasn't tainted and and bitter he was full of love and was um anyway, it turns out that um he had decided when um he saw his family killed before his eyes that he um had seen what hate had done and so he decided at that point on that he was going to love every person that he came into contact with whether it was the german soldiers that were um guarding the camp and being cruel to the prisoners or his uh, just everyone and so um turns out he had been there I, I can't remember how many years but it was a long time and he was on the same rations as everybody else but he had health and vigor um and strength because of the love that he had for god and for his fellow man and um can't remember a whole lot about the rest of the book, but I, I do remember that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. What love, what gratitude, um, all of those things. You know, like even just last general conference, talking about the rabbits and and having that, what love actually was able to to do in those those scenarios and stuff. And so, you know, I think it's very much along the lines of divine law. Like President Nelson's always trying to get us to to study the laws. Uh, once you know what love can do, then start implementing it, using it to actually heal. Uh, uh, I think that that's, that's huge uh, to really study and, and, and apply in order to build Zion. You know, as we study Triumph of Zion uh, here in a couple of weeks, that uh, looking for, for that, that theme throughout that book too, I think is going to be huge. Yeah. But, um, anything else from, from the chapter that, that stood out to you or, or just Isaiah in general too? We can go there. See if there was anything else here in this commentary that was interesting. You know, I've gotten to the point where I'm starting to see so many things happening that come from the book of Isaiah. I'm half expecting to have him walk up to me and say, how you doing? Uh, would you like me to sign your book? You know? <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I I've been very enlightened uh, by the various studies, and I've been uh, truly grateful for Brother Abraham for all of the work he has done and that he has shared it with me. And then, especially with this kind of study group and and studying with my wife and other things, I I uh, I, I can't get over just how blessed my life has been just from studying and when. When you open your eyes and you put forth a little bit of work to study, then the Lord just puts all kinds of yeah. teachers in your way. I the uh, there was an old saying: when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. So <laughs> I guess uh, I, I finally got ready, and and now uh, I'm struggling with the fire hose. You know what I mean? Yeah, how true that is with with the Lord. I mean, as soon as you're ready, he he's like, okay, I got this. Um, but but sometimes it, it can be really hard, you know, because that's the one one of the main things anyway that I've learned through Isaiah is there's going to be lots of tests of loyalty all along the way, and as we confront those, we stay true in our testimony. We maintain our levels of of love and gratitude and everything, even in the midst of our trials. They, they turn out for our good and help us ascend the ladder to heaven so that we can become, uh, we can move from the Zion Jerusalem level up to the sun servant level and eventually onto the seraph level so that we can, can be, have more capacity to minister and bless the lives of others. Uh, but yeah, but it, like what you said, as soon as I was ready to accept and, and asked the Lord for that, it's like, boom, here's, here's this set of trials. You said you were ready. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, I think that was basically it from, from his commentary on, on these chapters uh, in that disloyalty. We'll, we'll talk about um, the, the opposite side of it next week, um, the, the full-on loyalty and what comes to the, the righteous right before the millennium. But um, next week, I, I want us to kind of ponder, because it's our, our last week in Isaiah, we've, we spent uh, two different... Uh, book clubs on Isaiah material, um, but but just kind of, I, I don't know, I kind of want 
next week to kind of be almost a, a testimony meeting of what we've learned, how Isaiah has changed us. And, and Scott kind of <laughs> jumped right, right into that already. Um, <laughs> but um, well, because he might be missing next week because of technological issues, that's why you shared it early, huh? <laughs> um, Are you saying I'm uh, technologically challenged? No. Uh, Just I've because been... my VCR is still blinking 12 doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, uh, kind of a, a testimony meeting of what, how Isaiah has changed you and uh, just what kind of your takeaways are from it and everything. It, it's been such a, a life-changing thing for me. I, I, I remember when uh, we were studying Ezra and Daniel here in, in our personal study groups and uh, they kept recommending Isaiah and I'm just like, I don't know, are we, we're, we're going to go to Isaiah and boom, it totally changed everything for me. So I'm I'm super grateful for that experience and everything. But but next week, uh, kind of come prepared with with some Isaiah insights, some takeaways that, so that you've learned. You want and, the whole list or just the top 100? <laughs> what what whatever we have time for, yeah. <laughs> some of us have been doing this Abraham deep dive for a few years now. Yeah, um, I'm just so new. Tangled. It's so enmeshed and entwined with everything else I'm learning from everywhere else. It's it's really yeah. hard to say this truth is stuff truth, from right? Isaiah. Mm -hmm. But we'll do the best. But we'll we'll try to come up with something. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um yeah. Anything else before we kind of head out for the night? Mm. It's been a, a fun study group. It, the time always flies by. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so, um, uh, for, for Lisa anyway, uh, we're next week is our last week with Isaiah. Then, um, the week after conference, we're doing a, a post-conference chat just about highlights and stuff. And then the next week is when we start into Triumph of Zion, if you're interested in, in joining us for it. Were you, uh, were you scheduling a visit with Abraham or was that that's something you were thinking about doing but yes I'm, I'm still in the process of that so he's <laughs> he's just a busy character so he, he did the uh, the the zoom meetings with uh the isaiah institute book clubs he did those two interviews or whatever and then he's kind of doing these other things for for this next month and so i'm trying to get it for the end of october but uh, it might get pushed into november but anyway sometime we'll have a, a chat with Avraham and uh stuff he, he's wanting to do it he's just the the schedule is <laughs> wasn't matching up like like he thought it was gonna have, have you heard like, if he's gonna do another um like colloquially whatever they are you know where he gets oh, people i don't know together? because um we had he did the first two in person they were here in mm -hmm. sandy and then and you could also stream it if you couldn't get there but then because of covid the next three were all done online Mm -hmm. um but i didn't know if you had heard anything about another one i haven't heard anything about like colloquium but um i i know that he is filming a, a series right now and so i don't know exactly what that entails or if the colloquium's kind of involved in that at all but okay yeah i don't know as soon as i do know i'll, I'll pass that along And if anybody wants to um, um, volunteer to do anything for the Isaiah Institute, 
Um, you um, can volunteer and help in, in myriad ways, depending on what your um, expertise is or where your interests lie. We didn't get anybody sign up last month to volunteer. Oh, really? Oh, are, you, are you doing volunteers for the Institute, Nancy? I am the secretary of the volunteer, the volunteer coordination team. So when we get new volunteers, you know, I'm the one who tracks who's been contacted, what team they're put on, everything like that until they're settled and then we send that up. So, um, but we didn't have anybody this past month who volunteered. You know, if he's putting out, there's like a, um, there's panel discussions. I guess I didn't know that, I didn't know if they, he got those out or not. He was doing panel discussions as well. Mm -hmm. I haven't looked on his page. I don't know. I don't uh, know. Yeah. So I think they're right in the process of editing those, if I'm not oh, mistaken. Uh -huh. Yeah. So I, I was enlisted to, to help transcribe one of them, um, but I, I don't know exactly timeline when, when those are going to be put out or anything. All right. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. But yeah, if you want to volunteer, if you want to help with any of those things, then you'll know. <laughs> I, I, have, I have volunteered in other ways. <laughs> uh -huh. I, don't, I don't think I'm on the official volunteer list, but I, anyway, I've, yeah. I volunteered in the ways of my um, expertise with, with Abraham, so. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's great. All right, well, we will head out for the night. We'll see everyone next week for the, the last part. Um, what is it, 55 through 50, or 66? No, I can't remember. Anyway, it's the, the very last chapters of, of Isaiah. Like 60 something through the no, end. 60 through 66, yeah. Mm -hmm. 62 um, to 66. Mm -hmm. 60 and 61 were officially listed on this week. Oh, yeah. That, that was before I really knew the Bifid structure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it will kind of combine everything with uh, 60 through 66 next week uh, for that loyalty part. Okay. Yeah. You send out a kit, you send out the schedule and it goes in my calendar. So, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sometimes I'm just got to ring and change my mind. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, it was fun. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you. <laughs> That was wonderful.